0: y'all and we went to the Bahamas years ago on a mission trip and that was the theme of the uh, conference that we went to God can do anything but fail amen how many of y'all love preaching how many of you're fond of it you like it how many of you live tonight how many don't really have anything to say about that how many of you like being in church how many of you like uh preaching? Still weak. How many of you like short preaching? How many of you like long preaching? Bunch of liars? You know, uh <laughs> you know, men don't always say what they mean, ladies. Please allow me to translate for your future benefit. Are y'all ready? When a man says it would take too long to explain, what he actually means is I have no idea how that works. When a man looks at his wife and says, Honey, take a break. You're just working too hard. What he really means is I can't hear the game over the vacuum cleaner. When a man says, that's interesting, dear. What he really means, are you still talking? When a man says, oh, that's a guy thing, babe. What he means is there is no rational thought pattern connected with this and you have no chance at all at making it logical. When a man says... Can I help with dinner, babe? What he really means, why isn't it ready yet? When a man says, I don't, remember, <laughs> I don't remember saying that. It's because anything that I may have said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument. In fact, all past comments become null and void after seven days. When a man says, babe, that's not what I meant, what he means, if something I said can be interpreted two ways, and one of the ways makes you sad or angry, I meant it the other way. When a man says, oh, don't fuss, I just cut myself, it's no big deal, trust me. What he really means is I have probably severed a limb but I will bleed to death before I admit I'm hurt so get over here and help me. That's not true about me. I'm on the floor passed out if it's my blood. (laughs) When a man says, drum roll please, I can't find it. He means it did not fall into my outstretched hand, so I'm completely clueless. Y'all are going to be a tough crowd tonight. Would you open your precious Bible tonight to the book of Psalms? Psalm 37, and I said this last week. If someone's going to Psalm 37, I want to go with you. So I'm going, you're going to go with me tonight. We're going to go there again. Now this is the third time I preach on this passage of Scripture. I preached Sunday night on this, and then at the funeral yesterday, and that really wasn't a sermon. That was a short one. I bet you I didn't speak 12 minutes, and I know miracles happen, right? But um, I felt like that's all that needed to be said. And um, but tonight, Psalm 37, and man, there are some mountain peaks in this in this passage. One of my favorite psalms of all time, Psalm 37. Let's look at some of the mountain peaks of this great passage of Scripture. Look at verse number 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Now remember, we preached on that last Sunday night. That's a promise. But it's a conditional promise. Then the Bible says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Look at verse 7. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Then, man, a great one. Look at verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So if the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, then we also understand the stops are also ordained of God. Look at verse 24. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. That's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Though he fall, by the way, we've all failed, we've all fallen, we've all sinned, we've all made mistakes, we've all broke hearts. But Boy, I love this. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. You know what that does? That reveals a beautiful picture of who our God is. He doesn't cast us down. Now we know that this is a shepherding term. David was a shepherd. If a a sheep would get cast, that meant they were on their back. They couldn't get up. And so when a sheep got cast, a shepherd would have to go over there and help him get up. If not, that sheep would utterly die because he couldn't get up. And so look at the picture. God says, though he fall, although you stumble, although you mistake, although you might sin, here's what the Bible says, you shall not be utterly cast down. Why? For the Lord holdeth you with his hand. Now that's a much, that verse is great because of him. <laughs> it's the kind of God we have. And then verse 25 says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. We could go on and on and on. This is a great psalm. But as you know, we, we focus in on verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, and verse 7. And we started in verse 3 and verse 4, and we talked about conditional and unconditional promises. Now, this is why this is so very important, because I've heard people criticize the Bible and say, Well, God didn't do what He said He was going to do. You've heard people say that. And what happens is, is people misread, misinterpret the Word of God, and they say, Well, God said in His Word that He would do this. Well, wait a minute. There are some promises that are conditional. What that means, something has to be met before God gives you the promise. Now, by the way, there's a bunch of verses in the Bible that are unconditional. An unconditional promise in the Bible is the Lord said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. By the way, you don't have to meet any condition. God said he'll never leave you. That's an unconditional promise. No matter where you are, no matter how down depths of the sin you are, listen to me, that is an unconditional promise. God never leaves you. That's unconditional. But God gives conditional promises. And in this psalm, he gives conditional promise. Look at the condition. Look at verse 3. Trust in the Lord. There's the condition. And do good. There's the other condition. Here it is. So thou shalt dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Now, here's the message. We ought to be focusing in on our homes. We ought to focus on having a healthy spiritual home. And by the way, when we have a spiritual, healthy home, it requires much labor, it requires much commitment. It just doesn't happen. So, if we're going to have that, then We look at focusing in on these principles. There's some conditional principles, promises that must be met. So my question tonight is, are we trusting in the Lord? If we're trusting in the Lord and we're doing good, the Bible says we shall dwell in the land. Now that word dwell means you'll be settled. You'll be settled. You'll be seated. Now that's important because we live in war zones today. We live in a day where sadly Families are at one another. But the Bible says that if you will trust in the Lord and do good, the Bible says you will dwell in the land. That word dwell means you'll be settled, You'll be seated. So when we focus on our part, when we focus on our part, our conditions of these promises, God promises He'll do something for us. So the two conditions are trust in the Lord and do good. Now we talked about this on last Sunday night. And we understand if we will focus on our part, follow his principles, he will do his part. There's no doubt about it. His promises will follow. It's just like I said, if we're playing a tennis match, if you hit the ball and you're playing someone that knows how to play tennis, if you hit the ball, they're going to hit it back to you. Well, if you will keep your condition, I promise you this, God's promise will follow. So here's the condition. Are we trusting in the Lord and are we doing good? Just doing good. We talked about that at length on last Sunday night. So if you want to get that in its entirety, you can listen to the message on Sunday night. So we dealt with these principles and we focus on on these promises. So we talked about our dependence upon the Lord. We're trusting the Lord. And if we'll trust, we must depend on Him, then the Bible says we will dwell, we will be established, we will be settled, and that dwell with peace. That's what he's saying. You'll dwell in the land with peace. Now, we do good, trust in the Lord. He will settle us. He will establish us. He will give us stability. He will give us a strength. And our focus should be on trusting the Lord. So here it is tonight as a, as a husband, as a father. My question for you tonight, are you trusting in the Lord? Not if somebody else is trusting in the Lord. Are you trusting in the Lord? Am I trusting in the Lord? Every wife here, every woman here tonight, are you trusting in the Lord? And then the second question is, are you doing good? Am I doing good? Good things, the good will of God. And so obviously good is not bad. So if we're doing good towards others, if we're speaking a good word to our spouse, if we're doing good things for our family, if we're doing good things for society, God says He'll settle you and you'll dwell in the land. So we talked about our dependence upon the Lord. We talked about our desire for the Lord. Look at verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Now, I'm going to say this, church, and I mean it. I don't see a lot of people just happy in Jesus today. I really don't. I see them talking about everything else in this world, and I said it last week, and I can can even say it myself. Many times in my life, my family knows this. I ought to be focusing in and making myself merry in the Lord, and I'm sitting talking about how bad the economy is. Now, the economy is bad. (laughs) But I'm going to tell y'all something right now. You sitting and dwell on that ain't going to help nobody. So instead of dwelling on that, how about you dwell on Jesus and make yourself happy in the Lord? And here's what you'll come to say: Praise God, we're only going to be here for a while. I'm only traveling. I'm only passing by. One day I'm going to be heaven with Him. This all's going to pass. By the way, there's no gas prices in heaven. Aren't you glad? Hey, you say, why? That's, that's cheesy stuff, Pastor Martin. No, that's good stuff. Delight in the Lord. Make yourself happy in the Lord. How many of you know God's given you second chances? How many of you know that God loves you even when you're not lovable? How many knows he's blessed you when you really shouldn't have been blessed? Hey, we ought to make ourselves happy in the Lord. We ought to delight ourselves in the Lord. Man, delight. Make merry over. I mean, take exquisite delight. I make much, make much of him. We are, are we making much of him? Can I ask y'all in your heart and your mind? People at work, do they roll their eyes when you see they see you coming? You know why they ought to roll their eyes? Well, here he is. He's gonna talk to me. He's gonna tell me how good Jesus is. I'll tell you right now, you get around that guy, he's gonna talk about one thing. He's gonna talk about his Savior. You know what? I don't hear a lot of that. You know what I do here? I'll tell you what, most of the times people roll their eyes when we come around because are like, oh my goodness, he's going to give a rant on something. Wouldn't it be refreshing if we just started talking about Jesus? Yeah, I know I've shared this with y'all, but there was a man that I met when we went to Lewisburg. His name was Barney Lord. Barney Lord was on Skid Row. Barney Lord was an orphan. His two parents left him on the doorstep of an orphanage in Memphis, Tennessee. He grew up in that orphanage. Well, every Sunday, every week, every Saturday, families would come into that orphanage and pick out a child and take them home. And Barney said, I prayed every week, every day, that there'd be a family that would finally come and say, you can go home with me. And he said, I got so bitter because he said, I'd line up there in that orphanage every Saturday. And he said, those families would come in and they'd never pick me. He said, I got bitter. He said, finally, when I got about 16 years of age, he said, I left the orphanage. He said, I started living out on the street. He said, I became a drunk at the age of 16. He said, I got arrested for disorderly conduct over 300 times in Memphis. He said, finally, the Korean War came, and he got drafted, and he said, I'm not even going to need to go. He said, he just went on before he even got drafted. He just enlisted into the Army. He said, I'll go over there and get killed. And boy, he got in the Army, and he went over to the conflict in Korea, and he got wounded. I've never forgotten this. You can hear him tell it. And uh, he was in the hospital, and and I've never forgotten this. He asked the orderly. The orderly come to Barney and said, what do you need? What would you like? He said, I need two things. He said, I need an RC Cola, and he said, I need a, a, a fifth of Jack Daniel's whiskey. He said, well, we can bring you the whiskey, but we can't bring you the cola because it's a disease carrier. Never heard that in my life. He said, finally, they let me go out of the hospital. And he said, then they put me in a mental hospital, he said, for the, for the mad, for people. that." But he said, I, I was drinking so bad. And those people told me in that hospital, he said, I want you to know something. said, uh, we want you to know. He said, you're going to die on the street a drunk. He said, I busted out of the hospital. Back to Memphis I went. So living on the street from here to here, corner to corner. He said, I'd wrap myself up in newspapers. He said, all I wanted to do was drink. And he said, one day, and I know y'all probably heard this story. He said, I found myself up in the north. And he said, I was at the Pacific Garden Mission. And he said, I went in there and he said, can I get a bed? And they said, you he said, buddy, we don't have a bed, but you could go over there and get you a flop. He said, a quarter will give you a flop. He said, no, a flop was just a mattress in a room where hundreds of men would sleep just for the night. And he said, you could not imagine what that place smelt like and everything you laid in from all those men that lived on the street. He said, that guy gave him a, uh, gave him a quarter and said, you go over and get you a flop. He said, well, I didn't go over and get me a flop. He said, I went. I went. Went and bought me a bottle. I've never forgotten this either. He said. I he said it so many times. He said I went and bought me a bottle of TKO wine, cheap wine. He said I crawled up in a box car. And he said I could read those signs on them trains. And he said it was going down south. He said I knew it was going south. He said it was supposed to go to Florida. So he said I wrapped up in there and that in them newspapers. He said I drunk myself to sleep. He said when I woke up, he said I certainly didn't wake up in Florida. He said, I woke up in Gary, Indiana. And he said, when I stepped off the train, he said, I seen a big old cross down there on the street that said, Jesus saves. He said, oh, I'm going to go down there. He said, there's a bunch of Christians. He said, I've conned them all my life. He said, I'm going to go down there and con them. They'll give me something neat. They'll give me a shower. And he said, I'll go down there. They'll do good by me. He said, I went down there to the mission. He said, I walked in the door. He said, can I get a bath? Can I get something to eat? The guy said, buddy, you can get anything you want, but you got to stay for the preaching. And boy, old Barney said, I dodged and ducked a many a preaching. He said, well, I'll go in there. And he said, I'll sit in there. He said, but I sat in the back. He said, because boy, if it got hot in there, he said, I was going to get up out of there. He said I said in the back row and he said about that time that guy got to preaching and he said man he said the Holy Spirit started convicting me and he got on John chapter 4 when Jesus met that woman at the well and he knew everything about her past and he said oh my goodness if you knew everything about this woman's past he knows everything about me and he said about that time he said I got under such conviction, he said I went to go out the door he said it was one step ahead of me they'd unlocked it. He said, down the aisle I came, hit the altar. And he said, I had that bottle of wine in my back pocket. And he said, I dove down into the altar. He started to pray and asked God to save him. And that old preacher got down there and put his arm around him and started to pray with him. And he said, that night I got up saved. He said, I took that old bottle of TKO wine. And he said, that preacher threw it underneath the altar. And he said, I, I heard something that I'd longed for all those years. He said, that preacher put his arm around me and says, you're going to go home with me tonight. He stuck him in a padded room for two weeks and he sobered up off of that and Barney would tell you he would say it crying. He said, I seen horrible things. He said I had to get off that old alcohol. But he said, I'm gonna tell you right now when I got off of that, he said they, I went to a Bible, he said, I went to a Bible camp, and he said all we did was eat, sleep, and read the Bible. And he said, when I got out of that camp, he said I knew two things. Number one, I was saved, and he said I knew I was a Baptist. every time you got around Barney Lord, you wouldn't be around him two seconds flat. And then years later, because of the way he lived, he had an aneurysm. He couldn't swallow. So the whole time he was at Greystone, he couldn't swallow, and he had a little oxygen tank. I just want you to know, we'd be in church, he'd have to have a cup everywhere he went because he had to spit in that cup. But I'm going to tell you all something right now. There was a many a times old Barney had a little oxygen tank. And I'm going to tell you right now, his favorite song was Victory in Jesus. And when we would sing that, sure enough, boy, old Barney, he'd take his lap. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Because he couldn't talk. He could only talk with a whisper. He'd say, thank you, Jesus. I'll never forget. Went to his home many, many, many times. I'd be out in the parking lot. If there was anybody around him, I'm going to tell you all something right now. It didn't take him 2.2 seconds. He was bragging on Jesus. He was delighting in Jesus. Our desire for the Lord, we ought to be lighting ourselves in Jesus. Now, here's the reason. The principle is if we will delight in the Lord, here's what he says. Look at the verse. Delight thyself also in the Lord and what? He'll give you the desires of your heart. What a promise. Now that doesn't mean he's going to give you wealth. That doesn't mean, oh Lord, I'm desiring you so you're going to let me hit the lotto. Nope, probably shouldn't be playing it. Hey, listen to me. That doesn't mean, oh my goodness, if I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me a bass boat. Trust me, that don't work, I've done tried it. No, it's something better than that. You know what he I means? When we delight ourselves in the Lord, here's what happens. We get in tune with Jesus. We get in tune with Jesus, and we're delighting ourselves so much in the Lord, here's what he does. His desires becomes my desire. That's powerful. You say, Pastor, why are you up here preaching tonight? I can promise you this, I never had a desire to do it. I didn't wake up one morning and say, Oh, I'll tell you what I do. I'm going to go choose a career in preaching. I've told you this before. I thought preachers were weird. By the way, they are. I can say that because I am one. I'm weird. But y'all are weird too. You say, Why? Y'all are here on a Wednesday night, but you're a good weird. Why are we weird? When we delight in the Lord Jesus, here's what I've heard people say, I'll tell you right now, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Well, you ain't delighting in the Lord because when you delight in the Lord, your desires will become his desires. You ever heard, I've said this before, Miss and, Miss Brother Sexton, Miss Sexton, the Palmers, the Palmers spent what, over 30 years in England. Am I right? Y'all been 30 years all over the country, Honduras and Mexico, and, I, you know, someone says, well, I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't want to go down there and live. Well, I understand. But see, here's the amazing thing. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, he, get, he has a desire for each person. And here's what's amazing. When we delight in the Lord, here's what he says. I'll give you the desires of my heart because here's the thing. The desire that we have becomes his. His becomes ours. And if God ever calls you to Honduras, you'll love it. If he ever calls you to Mexico, you'll love it. If he ever calls you to England, you'll love it. See, I'll tell you right now, I would never be a missionary. Okay, well, God might not ever want you to be a missionary. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you delight in the Lord, I'm going to promise you this. He'll start giving you desires that you never thought you'd have. That's what I'm trying to say about preaching. I never had desire to be preached. You just wake up one day? No, God started working in my heart. And lo and behold, his desires started to become mine. That's an amazing thing. That's beautiful. By the way, that's better than saying, oh, I want a million dollars. Being in tune with Jesus and delighting in the Lord and our desires becoming Jesus' desires is amazing that God would work in our heart in such a way. So can I just say, if you're dealing with people that are always doing the wrong thing, it gives you a perfect scenario. It gives you the reason why they're not delighting in the Lord. So our desire should be for the Lord. Talking about our homes. Can I ask every dad here tonight, Father, husband, tonight, can I ask you, are you leading your family and delighting in the Lord? Are you helping them to delight in the Lord? By the way, if you've got teenagers, you got children, sometimes that's tough. They don't understand all of that, so you got to help them with it. But we ought to love the Lord. We ought to be making ourselves merry in the Lord. We ought to be delighting in the Lord. What a home. So we see the delighting in the Lord. Then as I close quickly, I want you to notice Focus on our home. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 5 and 6. The Bible says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Now there's our part. There's the condition. Commit our way unto the Lord. Notice what the Bible says. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. And He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Now I love this because here's what it's saying. The principle is this. Commit thy way the to the Lord. That should be our focus. As a mom, as a dad, as a family, we've got to commit our way to the Lord. We have to commit our way, our life, our will to the Lord. Why? What does that mean to commit thy way unto the Lord? Here it is already here's the word to roll onto to roll on to. I want you to think about that. To roll over on. You're committing your way. In other words, you're rolling your way over on Him. You're committing your way. Remember, I love this uh, passage Scripture, 1 Peter 5, 7. What's the Bible say? Cast all your care on Him. Why? For He careth for you. So in other words, you're taking all of your cares, all your concerns, all your worries that all you're doing is worrying about because you can't change them, you've got to roll them over on the Lord. That's committing them to the Lord. Now what freedom we get there, what peace we get there when we roll or commit our way unto the Lord. You know, I got to a place in my life, I'm going to be honest with you, laying up in a room on a bed completely broken because I had lived my life my way and I realized my way had brought me to that place and so you know what I did? I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore and so I just rolled it on him. and I started saying, Lord, I'm, I'm concerned about your way. My way's a... I've done messed it up. I've done messed it up. But Lord, your way is perfect. We commit our way to him. We roll it over. I'm amazed that we will trust the Lord with our eternal destination. Yet we have such problems rolling over a physical problem with him. I want you all to think about that a moment. Oh, I tell you right now. I just don't think I can trust the Lord with my children. Well, you trust him with your soul. We trust him with our destiny. I mean, how many of you saved tonight? Would you say amen? Well, if you're saved, it's because you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've rolled your your life over on him and said, Lord, I can't do it myself. I, I can't be saved by myself. I've got to trust you as my Savior. So what do we do? We trust him by faith. Nothing, just trust, man. We throw our life on him and say, Lord, if I'm going to go to heaven, it's because I've trusted you. That's trust, that's faith. And that's a, big, that's a big thing to trust God for. By the way, if he's a liar, we're all in trouble tonight. But I got news for you. He ain't. <laughs> the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John three sixteen says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See this world is so confused. They think we got to do everything in the world to get saved and to be saved. Listen to me. I want you to know Jesus Christ said I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me you have to roll and you've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ because if you're going there it's through him it's nothing we've done That's the gospel He came to this earth and he willingly came, by the way, and he was born of a virgin. We just celebrated that in December. He was born. He lived 33 and a half years. He went to an old rugged cross. He was wrongfully tried, wrongfully accused. He was innocent, yet he was destined to go to the cross because he knew our sin had to be paid for and we had to be purchased back. And I thank God he's the only one that can do it, and he did do it. And when he died and was put in that tomb, it was a borrowed tomb because three days later he'd come up out of there, and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he says, if we'll trust him as our Savior, by the way, we'll become his child. He becomes our victor. And by the way, I will say this. The Holy Spirit of God will tell you whether or not you're his child or not. And there's a word called conviction. And if we do not know the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior, I'm going to tell you something right now. The Holy Spirit of God will convict you that you need to be saved. And can I say, when He convicts you to be saved, you better just do what He says and repent and get saved. And getting saved is by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's the only way. And when we do that, that's complete faith. I was laying in bed one night, and I was struggling with my life. I, I had doubts. I had doubts. I'm like, Lord, am I really saved? And Man, I, I couldn't get peace about that thing. And finally one night, I was laying in bed. I said, Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you again. Would you save me from all of my sin? And, Lord, I, I started naming off stuff, and I said, Lord, I can't even think of all of them. But I said, Lord, I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you. I have trusted you as my personal Savior. And if I die and go to hell, it's going to be your fault. And when I said that, you know what? It was That's complete faith, church. Nothing else I can do. But I believe what he did. And I'm going to tell you right now, peace, I've never doubted it since. Do I deserve salvation? Nope. But I'm sure glad he's, he's, he's purchased it for me. And I received it. Now, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to go to bed at night. I'm going to go to bed in perfect peace. If something happens to me, If I die, I know, not because I deserve it, because he's done it for me. I know, and you know why? Because I have rolled that over on him. I have committed my salvation to the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? There's peace in that. Now, here's what he says about our lives, about our homes, about our children about everything else in our life, our way. We have to commit our way unto Him. We've got to roll it over. So again, when I say, man, we can trust Him for our salvation, but boy, sometimes it's hard for us to trust Him with physical things we face on this earth. See, here's the principle. You commit, and here's what He says. He shall bring it to pass. Now again, this promise is twofold. If you look in verse 6, again, twofold. The first thing he says to you, he gives you assurance. Here's what he says. He shall bring it to pass. This too shall pass. Our problems, our adversity has not caught the Lord off guard. He is well aware to meet whatever need you and your family have. He is well aware of it. And he is not only well aware of it, but he also will bring it to pass. He knows what you need. We have to commit our way to the Lord. Many times I don't even know what to do. But see, when we commit our way to the Lord, he'll bring it to pass. He gives us assurance. He's well aware to meet whatever needs you have. He is the one that's in charge. Hey, he is the one that can bring it to pass. Then can I say, here's the second part of this promise. Not only does he give you assurance in verse 6, but look at look at look at verse 6. And he shall bring forth thy righteous as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Notice this: simply put, a life or home that honors God, here it is. Y'all ready? If you honor him, and a life that honors God will be honored of him. He'll honor it. When will we start committing our way to the Lord? When will we start rolling over or casting our cares on him? As a family, as an individual. He'll guide our lives. He'll work through our lives. He will do what we could never imagine him doing. You likely won't be able to see the good while in the midst of a storm. But I want to tell you something, if you'll follow these principles and you'll meet your condition of these problems, I'm going to promise you this, he'll see you through it. And I'm going to tell you what will happen, no matter what else things happens in your storms, I'm going to tell you what will happen, you will draw closer to him. Isn't that the goal of life? Didn't he tell the Israelites in the Old Testament, he said, hey, I brought you from one place to another. He said, I bared I, I bear you on eagle's wings. He said, I brought you up out of the land of, 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 of Egypt. He said, I brought you by fire by night and a, and a pillar of fire by day. Hey, he said, I led you all the way. You've seen all of these things, but he said, you might have just said, man, when are we going to get to the promised land? But here's what the Lord said. He said, I bore you on eagle wings to bring you where? Unto myself. See, we look at things like storms and we look at geographical locations and, you know, like I said, we look at Honduras. what? Oh, I don't ever want to go to Honduras, but you know what? Jesus was waiting on y'all down there because y'all wasn't just going to a place. Y'all were being, you were being brought to him. Same in England. So we would we, we tell our children all the time, oh, I'll tell you right now, we can't go there. Well, wait a minute. That might be where God's at. By the way, a geographical location is never the goal. That's why I say to people all the time, I say, be very careful the counsel you give your children when they go off to college. Be very careful. I'd be very careful sending my child off to a college somewhere where they could get education, but they die spiritually. You say, well, what are you talking about, Pastor? Before I let my child go to any school, a place of learning, I'd make sure there's a good church there where their soul could be fed. Amen, preacher. You say, why? Because, look, everything in life, God's trying to bring us to what? Himself. That's why it's so important we commit our way to Him. Because the ultimate goal in life is what? When we get to heaven, who are we gonna be? Who, who who's gonna be, who's gonna outshine them all? Where, hey, y'all know I, my name's Mark. I was, there's another good verse in this Psalm 37. It says, Mark the perfect man. Would y'all please get that for my wife? She she needs to realize she's with the perfect man. Y'all can laugh. In other words, Mark, the perfect mark. In other words, you better pay attention to him because I ain't him. But uh, think about it. I, I want to meet Mark, John Mark. I really do. I want to meet him. I want to talk to him. You know, he was the one that had a little bit of something going on with Paul, and it was so bad that they split, and they went two different ways. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Maybe y'all have a character. You'd like to talk to David. Man, I'd love to talk to David. And all of those are going to be wonderful. But looky here. We ain't going to heaven to talk to David. I mean, that's not what gets me excited about going to heaven. I mean, it ain't going... I'm not just excited to go to see David and talk. Hey, listen to me. I'm going to see the one that died for me. I'm going to heaven to see the one that outshines. How's that song go? Mansions will glisten on the hills of glory. What? Happy reunions on streets. Of gold angel choir singing glad praises forever. But Jesus will outshine them all. That's why I'm going. That's who I want to see. How about y'all? If y'all want to see the one that outshines them all, would you stand to your feet? How many of y'all believe he outshines them all? Well, could y'all do me a favor tonight? When y'all walk out of this building tonight and y'all go to work, would y'all smile at y'all's co-workers a little bit more than y'all did with me tonight? Will y'all try that just a little bit? Let's try. How many of you glad you saved? Go tell somebody tomorrow that you, hey, I'm happy in the Lord. I love Jesus Christ. He saved me from my sins. But listen to me. If you're here tonight and you do not know Jesus Christ your Savior, I'm going to just tell you right now, I wouldn't leave this building And I'm going to tell you why. I'd be scared to. I would. It used to be years ago, boy, people get under conviction. It'd scare them. I've heard people say, Brother Cobb, and I bet you have too. I tell you what, before I got saved, I was scared to death. Didn't know if I was going to make it until I could get saved. I wouldn't wait. I'd just get saved tonight. You know why? He loves you tonight. He did everything that's possible for you to be saved. All you've got to do is by faith trust Jesus as your Savior. And I promise you this, he'll save you from the, from the guttermost to the uttermost. Amen. And I promise you this, you'll delight in him. Because he sure is a wonderful savior, isn't he? Now, y'all pray for me and Miss Laura because we're going to go down. Someone told me tonight, and they said, Pastor, they had me turn around. I said, what do I got, something on my back? He says, no, you don't have your pistol with you. And I'm like, why do I need a pistol? He said, well, where are y'all going tonight? You better have one. And I said, y'all pray for me. Amen. And then Laura just said, what would you tell him? (laughs) Oh. She said, I would just look at him and that would scare him. Amen? All right. Let's bow our heads Close. Is all hearts clear? Hope they are. If not, we can get them clear tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And Lord, I pray that you'll just help us now to focus on these principles. We'll commit our way unto thee. We'll trust in thee. And Lord, if we will do do good, and Lord, you tell us, if we fulfill those conditions, you have wonderful promises for us. So I pray you'll help us to make it a family affair. We'll thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name, and all God's people say it. God bless you. Hey, be here Sunday looking for a great day. We got a couple joining the church and someone's getting baptized.